And welcome back to A3's The Academy Podcast. I am your host, Ryan Beckwith, here with Art Charles Jr. Here. Anthony A.J. Orange. Hey. And Logan Kilgore. What's going on? Today we're going to piggyback off last week and talk about the importance of speed, the mechanics of speed, up and down, side to side, front to back, the power that comes with it, and the myth that you hear quite often that you can't teach speed, that it just is what it is and you're naturally gifted or you're not. And that's what this is going to be about is dispelling that because you 100% can teach speed. Now, are some people faster than others genetically? Well, yeah, that's just the human race, right? Some people are smarter than others. Some people are faster than others. Some are taller than others. It is what it is there, but you can absolutely 100% teach speed and not, and we're not talking about just the straight up 100 meter dash speed. We're talking about speed of recognition, we're talking about rebound speed. We're talking about speed of power, speed of quickness, all of those things that come with it. And that's what we're going to get into today, because ultimately the three guys that we have in this room sitting with us right now have been able to sustain careers due to some aspect of speed. And it has kept them where they are, has given them a job for all of these years. And in this room, I think we're at probably three decades of professional sports, if not more. And so we want to really dig into this about what it means to be fast and what what's the difference between being fast and having speed because there's those are two different things. There's just flat out being able to go run 100 meters and win and then there's having speed and the speed aspect can be divided into multiple different placets of training and competition. So AJ, I want to start with you because obviously your position is a, what we call in football, a skill position, a speed position. And that's been one of your number one attributes was not just your speed, but your speed of recognition, your ability to change direction fast and get the foot down and go. Mm -hmm. And yes, I'm sure, like you said, you played soccer for 10 years prior to playing football. So that definitely helped a lot with speed turns, change of direction, situational awareness, all that. But ultimately for you to be able to get where you're going and what you've done in your career, you had to work on that skill of speed. Mm -hmm. Can you dive into that a little bit for us and, and give us some information on what it took for you? Because obviously going from high school to college to the NFL, it, it's not just your natural given ability that you just said, oh, well, you know, I'm not going to work on it. I'm good enough right now in high school. And then you end up playing in the NFL. I mean, that just didn't happen overnight. So, right. you know, what was it, you know, from you know, like you were talking about last week with your ability to make a read, your ability to stop, make the change of direction, your hands, everything else. What was it that made you finally go, you know what, this, this is a skill and I really need to hone in on it. Um, for me, like you said, like, I mean, I've been, I've been fast, right? Like, right. um, and this is one of the things like I didn't have to work at. I was naturally fast, but when you talk about football and playing defensive back and making transition from a back pedal, it's completely different than like linear speed, right? Running fully speed. Absolutely. I got to make transition from a back pedal, doing everything's moving backwards. Um, for me, when I figured out that that was like essential and was more than just linear speed was probably when I got to college, where I got recruited as an athlete. Then I actually had to dive into being a DB, had to break down 
and realize, all right, what do I have to do to be fast? Right. And for me, it was always the transition from into a break and out of a break. Right. So being able to sink into one hip, load that hip, sink down and like the same idea we get from like our depth jumps, right? Like spending as little time as possible on the ground, getting down and up and off the ground. It's the same idea when you take a plant, you want to get in and out of that hip, sink that hip as far as you can and get out. And for me, I wasn't always really, really good at it. I had to learn to like only sink into one hip before I would put, you know, one, two feet down in the same spot and try to transition that way. And my coach was like really adamant about it. Like we want to eliminate the wasted steps, right? That's how you become fast. It's not linear speed, how fast you can run a 40. It's how fast can you get that foot down and transition from that foot into your elite foot, wherever you're going and not putting that foot in the same hole and the left foot in the same hole that you put the last foot, right? You know, chopping in the same place. And I, like I said, in college for me is when I actually realized that that, that was more speed, more speed involved, where um, like completely different on another aspect where I was successful in doing kick return was just linear speed. I just had to catch the ball, run, find a hole and run full speed, right? It didn't really matter um, if I could sink my hips or whatever, whatever, but doing it from a back pedal as a defensive back, you definitely learn that you have to sink into a hip and be, be able to get into these positions in and out of them fast. And then if you can do that fast, it translates to everything else. And that's what we talk about being fast in and out of these transitions and the rebound, right? I mean, being mm -hmm. fast out of a rebound and what I mean by rebounds, what AJ's talking about sinking into the hip, doing a depth jump, which would mean if you're training, uh, it could be a box, it could be a bench, it could be literally anything that you're stepping off of a platform onto the ground, making contact with the ground, sinking into your hip. So we get that compound movement of the ankle, the knee and the hip and then rebounding off of that off the ground and jumping up in the air or onto another platform. And that's what we're talking about here is that rebound step of being able to be quick, no false movements, no false steps. And when we talk about straight on speed, linear speed, one of the things that in baseball, football, we get into just general sports and we start talking about the 40 yard dash or the 60 in baseball and some of those other tests that we have to do. Yes, it shows raw speed. But in neither one of those sports, especially in baseball, are you ever running 60 yards straight. That just is never, ever, ever going to happen. You're going to have to make a left turn at some point. So it just doesn't make sense that we have to depend so much on these tests. And like you said, I mean, I was the same way. I was always naturally fast. It just, it just happened. For whatever reason, I was always fast. No matter what sport I was playing, I was in a position to be fast. But then I got older and I realized that, you know, it doesn't really matter. I knew guys that could run like we had a guy on our high school football team that ran a 10, three, 100 meters and tried to play football. And he was not very good yeah, because he never had the room to get to that speed. And when he was required to change direction, he couldn't. Everything mm -hmm. broke down. Yeah. And so he just wasn't very good at football, great at track, ended up going to University of Auburn and then mm -hmm. TCU, ended up running under 10 seconds in the 100 meters as a pro, wow. like phenomenal wow. at linear speed. But the other stuff wasn't his forte. That's okay. Mm -hmm. You know, it. but when we talk about the speed of recognition, the rebound step, the like we do the quick rise and go where we're trying to eliminate the fall step you get your feet moving and you move forward and your first step is whether it's lateral or forward we're trying to get there without taking a false step 
all of those things play into speed. And that's a really important thing. I mean, think about speed of recognition with you two, Art and Logan. I mean, they're very rare that you can find anything, maybe a hockey goalie where the speed of recognition has to be maybe a little bit faster than what you two have to do. But outside of a hockey goalie, I'm not sure that there is something out there that's faster than what you guys have to do from a speed of recognition standpoint. And then you're talking about, you know, ground force going from your feet are up to your hands then your hands having to make the swing while looking at a certain place and doing a rotational movement at the same time mm-hmm. that's fast yeah, hips yeah. got to be fast you know, too right now people look at art and they don't think speed because you're a big dude you know but mm-hmm. you have a lot of speed rotational speed the transitional speed from ground force to your hands i mean everything that you do is really it's about being fast and and speed and that's how you're able to hit seams off of a baseball and it's fun to watch that stuff so tell me about that from a training perspective speed of recognition with the eyes from being able to coordinate what you're seeing coming at you at 95 miles an hour from was it 60 60 points yeah six feet six inches so i mean that's not very far for those of you out there that are not math majors that's only 20 yards that's not far. And he's got something from 60 feet away coming at him at 95 miles an hour. That is incredible to be able to see that out of somebody's hand coming at you. So really out of the hand, it's probably 54 feet. Right. And it's a baseball. Yeah. 53 feet, yep. depending on who it is. If it's Randy Johnson, then it's 52 <laughs> yeah. feet. You know? he's, he's halfway there. <laughs> <laughs> right. But when you start thinking about it from that standpoint, now we're talking about 50 to 55 feet away when the ball is finally released and I have to pick that up and it's traveling 95 miles an hour. And I have to get my hands around because my hands are actually behind me when I start and I have to get them in front of me, make contact with this ball. Oh, and by the way, there's a defense out there and I've got to find the hole. on top of everything else if that's not fast i don't know what is so when we start talking about your career and how you've built your career as long as you've been doing this and being able to stay on top of all of that because they say as we get older we get slower and in your case obviously not in aj's case obviously not in logan's case obviously not so can you give us a little insight to that of what are some of the things that you like to focus on to help you stay fast, help you with that speed aspect of it? Hold on, hold on, hold on. I want to, right before you say this, I just want to <laughs> say something because I did want to look it up. But one thing is I love baseball. I've always loved playing baseball. But if I had a coach that said the hardest thing to do in all of sports is a hit around moving object with a round moving object. If you think about the physics of hitting a round moving object square to another round moving object, the ball to the bat, if a quarterback throws at 30% completion percentage, he will not play professional football. If a batter hits 30%, he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. Like just, you got to, before Art talks, you got to put that in your mind. Failing seven times out of 10 means he will be in the Hall of Fame. So... This right here says that the average MLB fastball takes roughly 375 to 400 milliseconds to reach the plate. Mm. For reference, the average human blinks its eye at 300 to 400 milliseconds. So in one blink, that is the amount of time that pitch is leaving that pitcher's hand. And you have to decide between his six pitches, which one's coming, which way it's swinging. Is it a strike? Is it a ball? How am I going to... so? Can I get to it? I just want to set that up for before you even talk about speed. I mean, you're not just talking about 
bat speed. You're talking about brain speed yep. and translating and information right? and recognizing Absolutely. things. I mean, getting all your muscles. Yeah. Bit and on one. top of yeah. that, let's not forget that there's a bunch of professionals out there in the field. They get paid to get paid they get they get paid to, to yep. stop exactly. that ball. Yeah. So when, you know, a lot of people don't understand that too, is like, Oh, well, it's only, you know, 30%. Well, Okay. That's even you could square it up. That, Some of the right. hardest balls you probably hit they all the time, caught. they get caught. They right. Get that's caught. my point. Is yeah. that yeah. And that's what people don't in. understand is they say the 30% thing, and this right. is we're just gassing you up, you're yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just you saying know, that it's amazing it's, 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 because I played baseball. Real stuff. And right. I, if I could keep Absolutely. playing, I mean, it it's it blows my, my mind yeah. how people that are like baseball fans, oh, how do you strike out like that? How do you not let's see you do it? Let's see you do it. You know what I mean? I play a pretty difficult position in sports. But I also think that from a from a success failure area, you know, if if the standard quarterback was able to complete, you know, 20, 25 percent of his passes, I don't know how many of us would play quarterback. I mean, that the, the mental side, we're not talking about that in this one, but about speed, you're thinking about so many different things and clear not even talking about your own swing you better have that one down you better be able to transfer your yeah. weight you better be able to not get on the front right. there's so many things so i didn't want you just to jump in without kind of laying it out there i mean it's like very yeah. it's yeah. very difficult and you know people think of speed and you know i'll get into later you know playing center field i feel like it's more reaction right it's it's getting a jump on the ball it's being able to see the ball off the bat and doing something like that but, but even then it's first step exactly Absolutely. it's first step but for you yeah, we're definitely getting hitting it. and being you know, not only a good first baseman, but a designated hitter, which basically means you're there to do one job, and that's the hardest job in sports. So that's kind of what I wanted to like get <laughs> yeah, across. And before. And, <laughs> like, and I agree with you. And that's like, one of the other things I wanted insane. to add into it is people look at it and they go, "Oh, well, you only well, it's only thirty percent." That doesn't mean he's only hitting the ball three out oh, of ten no. times. Yeah, he you can know? square up seven pitches nice, at bat and strike hit, out. Yeah, yeah, there's been nice. There's I've such hit things the ball, foul balls. <laughs> I've hit the ball every single time. Yeah, and hard. Yeah, got over four. Yeah, literally over four. Yeah, and I'm and it's like. It's those moments that it's like, man, like you got to keep yourself up and let yourself know, hey, I did a good thing. Right, exactly. <laughs> I got yeah. out. Exactly. Made a play, right. Yeah. Yeah, so how play. important is that the the speed of recognition? And then, I mean, obviously, bat speed to me, think you know, kind of correlates with strength, right? And I mean, the quicker, the stronger you are, the bat's uh, size and weight doesn't change. The quicker that you can swing the bat, right? But as far as speed of recognition, speed of like your hips and starting that whole process, I mean, how important is that? Um, well, that was something that's that was huge that I got into when I got into pro ball yeah. was learning more of the speed of recognition, how to pick up things faster, how to go from one point, not staring at that point to slow your eyes down to where you get that that blurred vision. And then the pitcher's throwing the pitch and you had to, like you said, the blink. Yeah, you blink and that ball's on you. It's over. So we've learned different tactics, different different tricks to do um, from I forget. We had a guy, um, a guy, a man and his son. He came by, they came by and um, they would go over uh, with us like eye workouts, mm. not just eye workouts, but performing and getting better with speed and recognition. So we used to have little exercises to do on, on that, <laughs> with that, um, with him and his son. And we would, we would constantly do those every day, day in and day out. They gave us cards, everything. And that definitely helped, you know, but it was also just talking to other um you know, pro guys, right. guys that were at higher levels than me, learning about focal points, learning about different things as far as, you know, points on, on the picture that you can look at or places that you can look at instead of looking directly at him or at the ball or at his glove, you know, knowing where his release point is, all those little things, they factor into how fast and how quickly you can recognize a pitch and you can, you know, keep your eyes to where they're, they're nice and focused 
and not blurry so you can mm-hmm. see the ball coming in. I, I think one of the biggest things I hear right there is it can be trained. It can be trained. It can be 100%. trained. There's people that get better at it, right? Well, even, I mean, yeah. that's the reason why we're talking about this is it's not something that, hey, well, Johnny's my son. He's just not fast. Yeah. Well, you can get faster. This is That's why we're talking about it. You can train exactly. those. You can train your eyes. And sometimes people don't understand that, you know, if if you think that, okay, I run a 5-0 flat, you know, in order for me to get to a 4-8, I have to become faster. Most of the time, it's you just need to become more efficient. Exactly. Most of the time, exactly you just need to learn. Exactly. Most of the time, it's, you know, exactly. it's not like some fairy dust that they're going to sprinkle on you, right? It's, <laughs> exactly. It's sometimes you just got to learn the way things work. So, like, for you, all those tipping points, um, mm-hmm. I mean, I would assume the more you face somebody, you see similarities, right? 100%. I mean, that's the same thing, uh, you know, you see... I always think that's interesting when they put up the graphic of the head-to-head. You know, it's not so much, you know, how does Art uh, hit against the Marlins. It's how does Art hit against this pitcher. Or the even in the ballpark. In the, yeah, exactly. Ball in that ballpark. Matter. Yeah. yeah. That's There's so many factors in baseball. It's crazy. I mean, you you play in Yankee Stadium and you're a lefty pool hitter. It's going to be a pretty good night. You go out to Oakland, <laughs> it's going to be a lot tough. You know what I mean? It's just exactly. like there's so many factors. You know, in football, everything's the same. And you, you might have a different – stadium around it but one of our main things to bring guys down especially younger guys that are on the team is hey man look it's still the same size field it's still the same amount of guys out there you know obviously in canada once you've been in the cfl you know it's a little bit different than the nfl being one more person but at the end of the day once that ball snap is still football for baseball it's like there's so many different factors inning Mm -hmm. to inning all of a sudden you got a lefty a righty you got a sidearm guy over the top guy you got guys that have multiple arm slots you got three i just think that, I think baseball hitting is crazy. That was a, one of the biggest things to learn, though, just that it can be trained. Yeah. That you can make yourself a better hitter with just your eyes. You For know? sure. And that was something that obviously I got introduced to it with the Blue Jays and at that time. But then also coming to A3, working with Ryan, different yep. little drills. Like we had like a little bead drill, picking the up. Convergence. Yeah. Divergence, yeah. Exactly. And then, then obviously you had the speed board as well. And yep. that was something that I learned. It was crazy because it wasn't just your sight, but it was also your hands working and that was something that benefited me for baseball obviously hand-eye coordination and getting faster with that recognizing okay i gotta look at this dot if this dot if this white dot's not on i don't swing yep. it's a ball or a strike if it's a strike i don't swing if it's a strike boom i'm swinging you know and then move, moving that speed up more and more and more as i got better at it and then how it translated in the game to not just hitting but just defense right reactionary with my hands they make a bad throw i'm picking it out of the dirt because i can see it you know like right all those little things that we we do that we take for granted or we believe that somebody else told us, oh, it can't be done. Well, it can. Like you said, right. speed can be taught. And yeah. it's not just with your eyes. You know, it's with everything. For sure. Um, you mentioned briefly playing cards. Like, do you mean like 52 deck of cards? <laughs> Yeah, what, we for would, speed? yeah, we would get the we so, we get the cards I and mean, fifty two pickup, and then you grab them all out of the air before on his land. No, but no, but he would give us these cards, um, but for speed too, you okay, know, yeah. like that too. But for instance, like your recognition when you're playing right. speed, boom, 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 king, for queen, sure. ace, all that. Yeah, but also he would give us these cards that would have like these little targets on them, and you would hold them side by side, and depending on how advanced you were at it, you can get that those two things by focusing and making them one. Gotcha. And then that right, and it was right. another little eye drill similar to some of the stuff that we did. Yeah, Ryan. so that that's actually called convergence and divergence, and we all yeah. actually do this. So depending if you're right-handed or left-handed, so if, for those of you listening, if you you can do this to yourself, you can actually set up your your camera and put it on the selfie mode, 
and you can use a thumb, a pin or whatever, and put it straight out in front of you and pull that thing straight towards your nose. And then you'll be able to see which eye tracks better. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about convergence and divergence, it's about the eyes tracking, the muscles of the eyes tracking. But if that's never been trained before, then we, we all have a default. And so, for example, I'm right-handed. My left eye, if you think about throwing a ball, hitting a ball, whatever that might be throughout my career, my left eye is better because that was the one that had the field in front of it. So my right eye is weaker than my left eye, but not anymore, but it was at one point. So when you start looking in the mirror or looking at a video of yourself doing it and you see that one eye is not moving as well or as fast as the other... This is when you're out in the field and something happens quickly and it kind of surprises you, whether that's being a shortstop or a first baseman or a DB or a quarterback or whatever, and something surprises you in the moment. That is what's happening is one eye is tracking better than the other. The brain actually shuts one of those eyes off and there's a millisecond that you're like not able to see because you're refocusing with one eye. Mm. Now, that is what we're talking about here. When we start training the convergence and the divergence of the eye muscles to where they're even, that's not going to happen as much. Right. And so now that picking up, you know, one hop and you're just picking it up barehanded or going or noticing something on a route and jumping it right away instead of having a false step or you noticing that a linebacker takes a step. You also have a guy jumping into your face and you have a guy crossing route and you're able to hit that crossing route Mm -hmm. with all that going on. Those are the things that we're talking about is those drills can be taught. Right, right. What I meant with the uh, cars also. So when I was uh, younger, uh, my uncle ran what used to be, pa- it was called Pack Bell Park. And uh, and so I would go down and I would bat boy. And I wasn't a Giants fan, so I would bat boy for the visiting teams. And I specifically remember the Red Sox <laughs> came in the first year when they won the World <laughs> Series after that 100-year drought. And Manny Ramirez the entire weekend would sit in front of his locker and flip cards and mm-hmm. I asked him what he was doing, and he basically just explained that it was reaction time, and all he was doing was put him into four suits, and then he put him in order, and, mm-hmm. he, and it was literally something that's, that that's he carried sick. on the plane. That's cool, right there. He, yeah. yeah, he carried him on the plane with him all the time. I mean, he's—I don't know if he's in the Hall of Fame, but he's a heck of a hitter. He was a heck of a player that year for him for sure. Yeah. And I just—that's something that stuck with me. I remember talking to my dad about it. Shoot, I had playing cards, you know, trying to <laughs> sort him out to do. All, I mean, it's just a reaction because it might, you know, like like you're saying. Not only can those things be taught, but they can be worked out. That's you the only work. It, yeah, it's right. it's the lonely it's work. Lonely Seriously, work. it's yeah. it's about it's about keeping your brain, keeping your eyes fast. That's what we're talking about. Speed. I mean, you mm-hmm. literally speed of recognition, speed of the ability to process information. And I think that as a hitter, as a quarterback, as literally any athlete, the quicker you can decide what's going on, the better, the more efficient. You're yeah, you're gonna be. I love consistency. You, yeah, yeah, and that's just something simple that every kid at home can grab the deck of cards out of their game closet or go buy one for 99 cents, whatever. But it's a huge tool. That's and sick, there's yeah. so many things you can do with them. And I love that you say that because I like to say something similar to that quite often, that it's the athletes that can learn to react mm-hmm. that are the ones that are going to make it. For sure. There's people that guess yep. all the time and they're really good. Yeah. And they're guessing and they're able to make it work. But the ones that can learn that speed of recognition and react faster Mm -hmm. are the ones that are going to go further. And then you have on top of that, when you start talking about linear speed, there's still a thing going on with your brain of speed of recognition of your depth perception. If your brain doesn't understand where you're going, you're not going to run linearly as fast. 
the better you understand where you're going from a depth perception standpoint, the faster you will be able to run. Just like the better you land, the higher you will jump. Right. You know, there's so many times, AJ, I've seen it so many times. I, we'll be throwing one-on-ones in practice, in camp. And how many times you see, you know, there's a guy out there and then he gets a pick in one-on-ones. And you probably know it as his position mate. I know it as the quarterback. Okay, he's guessing routes. He's jumping stuff. We're going to get him right here. You double move him. All of a sudden, now he starts questioning things. That's not somebody that's relying on this his skills. Mm-hmm. You can get lucky. I mean, there's teams that get lucky. <laughs> I mean, you can get lucky, and that's great. But if you want to play for 10 years, if you want to be consistently good over the course of a season, over the course of you know trying to make an all-decade team like AJ's up for, I mean, all these type of things, that is not guessing. That is literally reading reacting, being very good at processing. I mean, how many times you can get a pick at camp and still get cut. I mean, you can, I mean that's just, yeah. that's, that's the life of a, of a <laughs> pro DB, but it doesn't mean it's sustainable over a long period of time. Mm-hmm. Like, I just think that more, more than not, you're, you're looking at how can I, how can I quicken up my ability to process information? Not, okay, I got to be fast, so let me just swing no matter what, right? Like you're, yeah, you're no, actually all, trying to. No, all that, all that stuff is, is relying on speed. Pattern recognition, right? Trying to figure out what play it is, whatever it is. Um, formation recognition, all that stuff is you have to decide before the ball is snapped. You got to be confident right? enough and to you gotta, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you got to be confident enough to make a full speed decision. And like I said, sometimes you can guess and, and guess right, but it's a whole lot safer and better if you know exactly what's going to happen, if you're fast. And like you said, you can pattern read and you know what's coming. Just like if you know the, if the the pitcher is throwing overhand or sidearm or whatever right. it is, if you can recognize that right away, you know what's coming, you can make a play and do it fast. Right. And your ability to do that. Also, you can't have your brain telling you to go one way and your body's not ready to do it. That's mm-hmm. how you get injured. Exactly. Exactly. And exactly. In order to be fast, you have to be like we always talk about balanced. You have your body has For to sure. be in position. They always talk about with baseball. If you're not, if you're not in a good position to react, then you're you're gonna get beat. Whether it be on swinging, fielding, whatever it is. If you're if you're not in a good position, then your body's not gonna be as fast as it can be. Period. Yeah. And it goes back to the efficiency thing, right? For I sure. mean, you can have somebody I mean, I've, I've, I've actually done this before. I had a kid that was in high school. He was in 1101 meters. And within a two and a half week period, he went 1085. Mm. So some people go, oh my gosh. And we were talking about, he wanted to go play division one football. And I said, well, you're not going to play division one. He was six foot, 180 pounds. And I said, you're not going division one running an 11 second, 100 meter. If as a skill position guy to stand out, you got to go sub 11. Mm-hmm. Now, in two weeks, do you really think we got stronger? Do you really think we got faster? No, we got more efficient. We had two weeks. You can train that. Two and a half weeks, right. Mm -hmm. And all we did is we trained the first 20 meters of his 100. That's all we had time for. Now, the last 80 was was not pretty, but he was already running an 11-second 100 meter. Mm -hmm. We worked on the efficiency of what was happening in the first 20 meters, which is what made him run the 1085 and win the race and win area. That's why he did it. It was not that we, God came down and touched him on the shoulder and said, you son will be faster. (laughs) That's not what happened. You know, we worked on where the foot placement was, what, how his abs were engaged, what muscles in his leg he needed to engage his adductors to make sure that that cycle was going. So he looks more like a piston in a car and going up and down and Mm -hmm. his feet hitting under his hips so that he created a spring and not reaching out and trying to claw the bear crawl, the claw that people talk about in sprinting. 
no, we're not reaching out. We're up and down, up and down. That's how you tear a hamstring. Absolutely. Because we're overusing the hamstring Mm -hmm. 100%. And that was one of the biggest things that, that, I try to communicate to people that it it does, like Logan said earlier, comes down to efficiency. It's all about efficiency and that can be learned and you can get faster. Even if you're a four, two guy, you can run faster. Usain Bolt, fastest man ever in the history of the world is not perfect. There's still movements going on there and that's being extremely nitpicky, but it's true. And he's fun to watch. Like he's, he's a beautiful runner, right? But there are things that he could do better. Nobody in the history of the world has ever been perfect. Right. I find myself critiquing him too. Like he could be faster out of the blocks oh, and his stuff. Block you, starts, you know, his yeah. blocks yeah, yeah. are not great. But but oh, who are we to gosh. say he's still the fastest man ever you know? in the history that we know of? Mm-hmm. Bottom line, it's efficiency. And Logan, this is where I want to point it to you that everything you do, the way you've sustained your career is strictly efficiency because whether it's a three-step, sometimes so just catch and throw because it's a hot read. I mean, we could be hot reads, three-step, five-step, rollout, whatever that is. And there are so many moving parts in what you do. Efficiency is all you have. Right. Yeah, you know, I think that, uh, you know, playing the quarterback position, you are your speed is determined in a way different way than mm-hmm. – AJ on the other side of the ball or an O lineman or a running back or receiver. Uh, some of that's mental. And obviously we've talked about eye recognition, um, you know, knowledge of your, you know, the more, you know, your playbook, the more, you know, defenses, the longer you've been in the league, the more times you've gone against that defensive coordinator. These are all just tips and tricks, right? You're, you're trying to increase the amount of time you have because you don't have to spend so much time diagnosing a coverage or diagnosing you know, a certain player and, you know, his, his ability to cover this route, you know, that type of thing. So if you're just breaking it down and not even talking about, you know, quarterbacks, you can train in season and you train out of season. So if you're talking about out of season training, which mostly like, you know, if you think about a runner um, in track, everything to me in my mind is in season training because you still are going to be running this event. These hurdles are going to be this far apart. This, you know, bar is going to be this high. You are training, yeah, the your jitters, your, you know, uh, the pressure, all the adrenaline, that's something you only get in the meets. But pretty much these are the type, this is your lane and, and your training, right? And in playing football and playing quarterback specifically, you can train the mechanics, which is how do I increase my foot speed? Well, you don't just have to take drops. You're doing ladder drills. You're doing reaction drills. You're doing all different types of things to get that quick t- quick twitch muscles firing, right? But talking about out-of-season training, you're talking about your under center, your first step. You know, how many guys do I go out and train and their first step is a false step? Same thing with a receiver running a route. We talked about it 10 episodes ago. If AJ's covering a receiver and he does three quick steps and doesn't gain any ground, that's all wasted. <laughs> now, all of a sudden, your quarterback's dropping and he's got to get rid of the ball and AJ's laughing because he's like, all right, cool, Dance all you want behind the line of scrimmage. You're not threatening anything I'm protecting. It's the same thing when you're playing quarterback. If I'm not gaining ground from the offensive line, the second that ball touches my hands, I'm not doing anything good for myself. Why would I take a false step? Those are all little techniques and things. It's the same thing as if you were training a sprinter. I wouldn't be able to train a sprinter because I'm not a sprinter, but I'm sure it's the same thing when you're talking about block starts. It's the same thing you're talking about your first couple strides. You can either be putting those up and down right in front of you 
or you can be getting the distance you need. You can be doing, it's the same thing with quarterback. So if you're talking about footwork speed, you're talking about efficient movement from the second the ball touches your hands to what, which foot am I gaining depth with? Which foot am I powering in my crossover? How long are my feet off the ground? Can I always keep two feet? Because the wildest thing is even after you take a drop, I could throw routes in the off season all day long, pretty little three-step, five-step, complete passes all day long. There's not many times in a game you're just going to take five steps back and not have to move off your throwing point because guess what? There's D linemen that are taught to get to where you are aiming with your drop. So now you hit that step. You don't know when you call that play in the huddle if you're going to be scrambling out to your right, scrambling to your left, stepping up in the pocket, drifting back. If you're going to get, you know, I mean, there's there's times where, hey, you take five steps, it's a clean pocket, you go to hitch and throw, and linebacker green dogs was when he blitzes late and all of a sudden you see that gap between the center and the guard open up and you know you're about to take a hit how does that how does your body react in those moments those can all be trained and it's all about quickness if i go to start my throwing motion and my first movement with my hand is down and then up well if you pause every single person whether it's tim tebow who went way down with his ball or if you Pause somebody like Matt Ryan, somebody like Tom Brady, Drew Brees, those guys. If you watch, if you pause it right at the release point, everybody's in the same spot. Everybody's in the same spot. You can, t- I can pull up screenshots, Google it tonight. Quarterback during his throwing motion, right at the release point. Everybody's release point is very, very similar. It's almost exact. How they get there is very different, and that's based on how efficient you are. The kid that throws the ball out in the front yard. You can pause a video and he's going to be in that same L position. That ball is going to be above his ear and he's going to be getting ready to release the ball. It's the same position that everybody gets to. It might just take him a heck of long longer to get there. And so that was one of the biggest things working with Tom House, working with Drew Brees. Those guys, all they do is worry about how can I cut a millisecond off this? Mm-hmm. How can I? Okay, we're not talking about even recognition. Just where am I throwing the ball? We're talking about speed, right? when I say go, yep. how quick can I get that ball out? Well, one of the biggest ways to do it is make sure your feet are under you. It's hard to throw when you're off balance. So if you're in the pocket and you're making an adjustment from a from a defensive end, you can either square your hips up to the line of scrimmage. If I square them up to avoid somebody that's way more athletic than me because I have to get the heck out of the way, how long does it take for me to get back into a throwing motion? Or is there a way to do that while I can maintain my hips in a way that I can still throw? That is what being fast, being quick, having speed is at my position. Now, nobody care no scout look nobody whatever when i ran the 40 yard dash it's fu- it's fun for nfl network it's fun for all that stuff a lot of people care when i ran the 5105 why because that is way more practical speed in my position how quickly can i move laterally and efficiently within a pocket and that is all the quick twitch muscles that we talk about that is reaction speed and there's also a game about it if if i, I see a tackle get a late jump off the ball and i know that aj's blitzing from that from that boundary corner position I can't make my reaction right now, even though I see him right now. I got to make him think I don't feel him, and I got to rely on my quickness to get out. That's It's all about all those little tricks, all those little things. The same thing Art was talking about with recognizing pitches. It's not just getting faster. You, you, know, you made somebody faster in two weeks. It's not just about, oh, all of a sudden he's so fast. No, it's about slowing things down mm-hmm. and then being able to react quicker. Yes. And how do you do that? You learn. And it's the same thing in training. If you want to be better at the light board, which is a reaction deal where the lights, you know, come on the board, you push them with your fingers, you got to do the light board. You got to get better at it. You got to learn ways to react and 
all of a sudden you could see somebody that does the light board first. They're super close to the board and they're looking and they're moving their head every single time and, and looking take all a over step the board. Back. All of a sudden they take a step back and your eyes are almost fixed in a, in a fixed position. You're using your peripherals and mm -hmm. you're pushing, you know, there's so many things that you can get better at something. It doesn't mean that you just have to find somebody to come in there. You know, we talk about game speed and we talk about top end speed. It's funny to me that so many people that are not in the decision-making rooms for NFL franchises think that just these numbers on this little one test in Indianapolis at 6 a.m. after you've done how many hours of everything else you have to do in the meat market, that that's going to get you to the NFL just that? No. Right. It, what the is, Raiders over the last five years, all they drafted was the fastest guy. The top end the, speed. Yeah, and what does yeah, that do? Okay. Didn't do well, what happens when they put the pads on? Because AJ talked about somebody brushed over it just because he's – 10-year, 12-year pro that this is how he sees it. What I see, when somebody talks about kick return speed, there is something inside of you that is different than other people. I could not stand there. I'm man enough to admit it. I could not stand there, catch a ball, and go my full, full speed running straight forward. I know my body is not that body type where I can make the adjustments I need to to protect myself. I know that in my head, in my heart, how do you just – catch the ball and run straight forward and know that somebody's running straight at you try to take your head off. You just got to I mean, pray the hole opens that up. Is, that is exactly. <laughs> That's so, one of my favorite parts. So you take somebody off the street and throw some shoulder pads on them and say, hey, run super fast, straight in a line right when you get this, hit that hole. Okay, he might do it the first time. Right. What about when he gets decleated and they right. score again and you have to return another kick? Yep. What's that guy going to do? You know what I mean? So it's so many different things. And the only way to get better at all those is to train it. Mm -hmm. And right. that's what we're, that's the whole point of why we're talking about this today is it's not just, yes, there are so many God-given talents that are you know amazing. You must be thankful for all these opportunities. However, you have to improve on those things because if I was born a talented person, there's somebody probably in my town or the next town over that is born just as talented or more talented. And it's how are you going to do that every single day? And that's what we're tying this together on A3 is you got to get in there and really look at, I mean, day one, I feel like, I mean, you guys are in there every day with athletes, but I don't know what the percentages are. I wish it was something you could just put in an Excel spreadsheet and see like how much people improve. But I would assume that if you take a high school athlete, I don't care which one it is in this town, they could walk in the door and in a week they could improve 10, 15%. It's very simple. It's, it's staggering how good these athletes are and how much way, way better they could be. You know what I mean? And I mean, you guys can touch on that from a speed perspective, but just overall, there's so many things you can do that you just don't know these things exist. I mean, I don't care if you're in the game, out of the game, there's people always, always learning, you know? Yeah. And and it's the people that continue to try and learn and develop new things. And if it's not for you, go to the next, go to the next one. But you got to learn all these techniques of how to get better. Everyone's trying to get 1%. And I think, you know, when you go into that, when we talk about efficiency, we talk about linear speed. One of the things that doesn't really ever get talked about is ground contact. Yeah. And that's a big one. So even if we're talking about, and this translates to, I mean, this translates to volleyball, this translates to playing quarterback, this translates to the hundred meter dash, that everything is about the ability to make contact with the ground efficiently and then leave the ground efficiently. And I, I'm going to butcher this stat. I'm sure we could probably look it up right now. And this is dating me by my age. But when Carl Lewis broke the world record or in the world record race, which at the time was 986, 984, something like that. I don't remember the exact number now. It's been way too long. This was in the 80s. 
he only touched the ground for 1.65 seconds or 1.8 seconds was the stat. Now think about that. In 9.8 seconds, he was only on the ground for 1.6 and 1.8 seconds. So when we start talking about speed, and this is exactly what you were just talking about, Logan, your 5.10.5 or stepping up in the pocket or Art having to decide if he's going to hit a curve, you know, if the curve's coming or if it's a fastball coming, that all changes his foot position and his ability to make that read to then activate everything else. It's all translatable. And those are all learned things about position and efficiency. So when we start talking about, okay, if I hit the ground and let's say I hit the outside wall of my foot, well, what happens now? Well, if I'm running and most people that I've trained in my almost 20 years now, when we start talking about biomechanics, most people will hit the outside wall of their foot. Well, there's a a huge chain reaction when that happens. So Logan's dropping back and he's on the outside wall of his foot. Well, in order for him to throw a ball forward, he's got to roll that foot to the inside wall of his foot. His knee goes with it, and then he can throw. That takes time, right? So that's going to change what he was talking about with his release point. Same thing with Art. If I have a ball coming at me at 95 miles an hour, which is milliseconds, now all of a sudden, if I'm on the outside wall of my foot, then I've got to roll again before I can ever move my hands. Same thing if I'm running down the field or the track or trying to jump an approach in that in volleyball. If I'm on the outside wall of my foot, no matter what to go vertical, I am going to roll to the inside wall of my foot. So we got big toes, right? Because that's where our power is, right? If you look at your calf on the inside part of your calf is the more developed than the outside wall of the calf. Why? Because that's where we push off from. So when you start talking about speed and quickness and all of those things, that's where the efficiency thing comes in. Because if I were to hit the inside wall of my foot, there's no roll now. Well, I just significantly decreased the amount of time I'm on the ground. So again, from jumping to sprinting, to landing, to throwing, to catching, to swinging, all of it translates to that in particular thing right there. It's all about the efficiency on the ground. So like you were just saying, Logan, what this is one of the reasons we started doing the pregame that we've been doing that you know you the the day you walk into a3 you have to go through a three-day pregame and on the day three you go through an assessment so we're doing mm-hmm. vertical and broad jump and squatting and deadlifting and all these different things so that when we test we go through our eight-week cycle and we test on the ninth week we have something to compare to now brie rodriguez is a great example i mean this is she is such a phenomenal athlete i've mentioned her on the show before but not by name uh but when she starts, she's a volleyball player. She's five foot ten. And when she started volleyball, you know, one of the things that they talk about, they don't talk as much about how high your vertical is. They talk about what you can touch. Mm. And Bree was touching her first time we did. She'd been training day three for know, a couple of months. And she said she wanted to find out what her ability was. And I believe it was nine, 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 I believe is what she touched. Nine, nine or nine, ten. And so we started working on the efficiency of her approach and the way her foot's hitting the ground and all these things. And anyway, she just recently touched 10 feet. And what that translated to, because we broke it down, I said, well, Brie, you've got a 32-inch vertical. Think of a high school Mm -hmm. female, Mm -hmm. a high school anything. I don't care, (laughs) male or female, 32 inches is is good. Absolutely. It's very good. You go to some of these ID camps and you go to some of these combines for high school football players even. And 32, you're going to be you're going to be probably in the top 10 of that 
combine mm -hmm. if you're at a 32 inch in high school in that range right? right and she's doing that just the other day she did a 40 inch box jump it's again it comes down to efficiency of movement and what she did and she learned to do that mm -hmm. it's not again it's not like she got these magical powers in the last couple months this is hard work this is a trained thing this is a skill that she is learning and she's learned how to be more efficient which allows her to be more explosive it allows her to be faster all of those things come with it. And when we start talking about jumping, throwing, landing, all of those things, again, it, it comes down to that rebound that we were talking about being fast. I'm mean, again, sprint. I've said it before, but sprinting is a series of single leg bounds. That's what it is. Throwing a football is the same thing. Mm. Trans, you know, I'm transferring energy in a direction. Everything we talk about hitting a volleyball, you know, serving a volleyball, digging a volleyball, throwing a baseball, catching a baseball, so hitting a golf ball, all of these things, those are transferring energy. And if you can do that efficiently and faster, which again can be learned, now we are in a better position. And we start talking about the biomechanics of all that. That's, again, it, it just, I think it gets lost in translation because sports are so sexy and you watch somebody do it who's really good and they're just smooth, mm -hmm. you think they can just do it. Right. When you watch, and again, this is dating myself, but you watch Ken Griffey Jr. hit a baseball mm. and you're like, oh man, this yep. is so smooth. That, yeah. that didn't just happen. Yes, he was a freak. Yeah. Usain Bolt is a freak, but it didn't just, he didn't just wake up and do it. It's been years and years and years and practice and practice and practice. All the thing that, all the things that Art was talking about, I guarantee you King Griffey Jr. was doing those things. And it allowed him to tap into something that wasn't there originally. And that's what we're talking about here. They're learned things, the speed, and it's redefining speed, really, is, is my whole purpose of this podcast, is getting people to understand it's not just about running a 40-yard dash. Right. It is not just about running a 60. It is not about just finding out how high you can touch. This is not what we're talking about here. Speed, the definition of speed has so many peripheral things to it that a lot of people don't understand because they haven't been there. And what they see on ESPN or what they see at a game, at a youth game or a high school game or even a college game, it just ends up being really art when you watch it. Mm -hmm. But you don't understand the, the intricacies of canvas versus paper versus brush versus you know i can go on you know right. oil versus paint versus watercolor versus all i mean all of these things play and that is the definition of this art of speed that there are so many different aspects to it that we do on a daily basis because that's our profession it's what we do it's just trying to communicate that to people to get them to understand why it's so important yes running a sexy 40 is great but does it translate? Right. You know, I think that, you know, what I, what I hear and what I'm, I think one of the easiest ways to relate that is you look at the receivers that are successful, look at the basketball players that are successful. It's very rare that a receiver in the NFL comes in in the first year and sets single season catch records. Okay. The reason why SJ Green can play 14 years in the CFL, one of the best receivers ever played in the CFL, or a guy like Julio Jones, they become more efficient and they become more skilled. Amen. That's the point. 
The reason why they could stay so long is not because they necessarily got straight line speed faster. They can react quicker. They can be more efficient with their movement. You're not as fast as you were at, at Fresno State. It's You're not. But you play faster. You can Absolutely. read things faster. Oh, yeah. You can, you've seen it way more. Oh, yeah. You've developed that skill. And that's the point is if you get the opportunity to play a sport, it's all about functional speed. It's about your ability to react and and yes. and take in information and then use that to your advantage. You know, I was in Las Vegas this weekend, and one of my best friends from college, he hasn't played football in, uh, I guess, eight years. And Greg Ellickson, one of the best receivers in the CFL, was, was there with us. And Tavares is his name. And Tavares said, he says, Logan, if I guarded Greg right now, how many times could I stop him if you threw him 10 routes? I said, Tavares, zero. He goes, what? I started at point guard. I was slot. I don't care. (laughs) I said, if Greg goes into your hospital in Las Vegas right now, he couldn't run it for a day the way that you do. Right? But at the end of the day, that is what he's been working on. This is what Greg's been working on. And that's the point about you saying that speed can be developed. Speed can be developed. It can be improved. And it can be lost. I mean, at the end of the day, it's Mm -hmm. not about – we're not talking about how long it takes you to run in the mailbox. In a, in a sport, unless you're running the 100-meter dash, it is way more about how quick can you get in and out of things, how quick can you process where your body needs to go yes. and then go in that direction safely. That is what speed is to me, being in the profession that I'm in, that we're in. I mean, it's, like you said, you you want to cover a guy. I'm sure you'd rather cover a guy. You know, in the CFL, we have what's called the waggle. It's a vertical motion. It's, it's, not, it's not something that we grow up with in the U.S., now, most of the skill position players in the CFL are U.S. born. Now, it takes time to master the waggle. It doesn't just mean, I mean, how many uh, American receivers do, do you hear say, oh, man, if you gave me a 10-yard head start, mm-hmm. oh, no way you would ever stop me. Mm-hmm. Yes, you will, because <laughs> you need to learn to use it efficiently. Right. You don't just waggle in one direction. You yeah. waggle inside and out. And you don't you, go full speed. You don't either. go full speed. You're looking at different things. you got to time up the snap count. you got to time up to hit at the right point with the right leverage based on where AJ is trying to play you in order to set up your route. All those little things are not even talking about top end speed. We're talking about speed within your sport, speed within your movements. If you're a volleyball player, it doesn't matter how far, how fast you can run a 40 meter, you know, 40, 40 yard dash. It matters how quick you can get off the ground. It matters how quick you can backpedal Mm -hmm. and recognize a ball flight and spin trajectory and how quick you can get your body in that direction to center up to be able to hit. My wife played college volleyball. I know that it is a lot harder than it looks, and it takes a lot of quick twitch muscles and a lot of speed to play that game. And recognition. Exactly. You talk about Manop's golf swing. If he was here, he talked to you about speed all day long speed of his hands we talk about speed speed. constantly talk about rotational speed talking about all these different things you think oh golf my seven-year-old grandpa plays golf exactly the reason why he doesn't hit it 300 yards is because he does not have the functional speed to hit it 300 yards doesn't matter how strong he is in an arm wrestling competition it's speed in your sport and that's the same thing you know it just blows my mind that i'm sure you'd much rather go against a rookie four three guy than a guy that's been in the league for 10 years and runs a four or five. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's two tenths slower, but he's going to run efficient and yeah. he's going to know how to set up he's that. Level. Yeah. How he's going to know he, how I'm playing. He's going to know yeah, exactly. how to, how to beat somebody like me. That's been in that position versus a rookie. Who's just going to go out there and think he's just going to run right past me. Exactly. And you think about time. it, you know, how do these guys play for so long? How does a guy like Julio Jones play for so long? Well, 
he's got a young crop of receivers every year that might be faster on that one straight ahead speed. But Larry Fitzgerald. Larry Fitzgerald. How does he play? Is Larry the fastest guy you've ever Absolutely seen run? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Is, you know, I mean, other than Tyreek Hill, who has an amazing skill set in addition to amazing top end speed, most of the great receivers of all time, Jerry Rice was not the fastest guy ever. Four he six. wasn't even the fastest guy in his in his draft class or in the league at, at any point. Probably not even on his team. Yeah, probably not even on his team. But his functional speed, his yeah. ability to see the ball out of Steve Young or Joe Montana's hands. I mean, that is what we're talking about. And so I think yeah. that what you're trying to get at and what hopefully we've been able to wrap your head around is that the fact of speed is not just talking about a straight line. We're talking about so many things that can be trained. Not only, but you also can train the, sp- the straight line speed. Absolutely. That, that's, that can be learned. That can be, yeah. but it, don't ever think, oh, I'm not a fast guy. That's not my strength. I'll tell you what, one of my best friends in the world is a defensive lineman. If you want to talk about speed, watch the way his hands work every single snap going against offensive linemen, watching those guys hand fight. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he might not beat any of us in a straight ahead 40-yard dash, but I'll never tell him he doesn't have speed. I bet you his first five is pretty good. Oh, I'll bet you it's pretty dang good, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I mean, I, again, I, I, that's a great closing, Logan. I, you know, I think just to piggyback on it a little bit is is just simply people come in all the time and you hear it all the time. You hear it on talk radio, you hear it in podcasts, you hear it on ESPN that it's, you know, people care so much about speed. They say you can't teach it. Right. Yeah, and you if, can't teach speed. And if there's no, anything, you can't teach height. Right. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. If you could teach speed. If there's anything we can communicate through this, it's it's simply that there are so many aspects to what speed means. And if you want to be faster, and if you if you want to have speed as a weapon, regardless of what position it is, what sport it is, find a professional that understands what we're talking about. Just like the conversation we just had. We probably just talked about 15 different variations of speed mm-hmm. and how to improve them. Now, very vaguely, but nonetheless 15 at least different ways that we could define speed and people need to understand that that is not just about that one race that one time it is not about that that is just a measuring stick like anything else and there are intangibles that that the naked eye can't see yeah and to be completely honest right we're talking about this 40 yard dash i haven't ran a 40 yard dash since the combine yeah since you know 2010 so you know you can be as fast as possible but after you know that that measuring stick and you measure the time it's not it doesn't translate after that right you got to you got to find other things to focus on that translate to actual speed right and that you know for those of you that are listening i don't know enough about larry fitzgerald but i do know quite a bit about jerry rice and if there's one thing he's a great example that i like to use that you know you look at his combine time you look at his 40 yard dash time it wasn't in in the nfl it's not very fast in a regular human being it's fast Mm -hmm. but in the nfl it's not fast but how many times did you watch jerry rice get caught from behind not many not many many. why Mm -hmm. because of his efficiency of movement Mm -hmm. he ran crisp routes and all that yes that's what helped him get open but ultimately when he got down the field he was so efficient in his running form that it was almost impossible to catch the guy because the way his foot was hitting the ground and his speed of recognition off the ground was so fast that, yeah, his start maybe wasn't great. Who knows why he ran a 4.6? But in open field space, you weren't catching that guy. Right. 
And that's really what it comes down to is that efficiency that we've been talking about. Before we close, I, I mentioned briefly about playing center field. One of the things that, that I was able to grasp from a very young age, I was taught by some people that knew how to play the position very well, was I was not faster than other center fielders, but from the age of eight, nine, 10 years old, I realized if there's a ball hit in the gap, if there's a ball hit somewhere that I really need to go, how many kids do you see running with their hand up in the air and trying to catch a ball when all you need to do is put that head down, sprint to a spot and get your eyes up? Because if you race me right now in this parking lot, how many people are going to run with their hand up looking behind them no. and think that that's the fastest you can run? That is what we're talking about. That's a learned behavior that when that ball gets hit and you know the trajectory and you can sprint to a spot and then start to tilt your head back and start to get eyes on the ball and make a catch, it's the same thing when you're playing DB. If that guy runs by you, you cannot be looking back at the quarterback or you're going to be watching him complete a ball on you. Exactly. All of a sudden, you see AJ put his head down, he's digging, and he gets that body contact and his eyes get up. Why? Because he knows that that's how he can get there the fastest. It doesn't mean, you know, if I see people get beat all the time, it's not because they're slower than the, the receiver. It's because they're running with their whole body turned and you're just not as fast that way. That's efficiency. That's what we're talking about. That's one example of many, many examples of a learned behavior that can increase speed. And actually, and just to actually finally close this out, I actually know of a highlight of AJ's that you can look up right now if you're listening to see exactly, I mean, verbatim what Logan is talking about. Look up, before the name change, it was AJ Jefferson. Mm -hmm. Look up, AJ Jefferson intercepts Brock Osweiler. It's oh, when yeah, AJ yeah. was playing for the Seahawks. Yeah, I was blind to that. He was blind. He baited, I mean, you baited him beautifully though and did an amazing speed turn to the spot. It was awesome. I mean, it was so awesome. But anyway, to see exactly what we're talking about here, look that highlight up. Just look it up. AJ Jefferson intercepts Brock Osweiler. Look that up and you'll see exactly what Logan just described. Well, fellas, another good one. Thank yes, you. sir. All right. Thank, thank you. you. Good time. Appreciate it.